I am really excited about getting to speak tonight. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did the Unite Conference. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with it, we had a whole bunch of families with young kids that were here, and we had a few sessions where we, we taught them the word, and then they got to break up into to small groups with their family and discuss it, and a bunch of activities that they, they were bonding, getting to do together. It was awesome. We had like 260-some people here, and it was a lot of fun. But I got to share one of the sessions, and I was talking about sword or trowel. And I got so excited, and I was having so much fun, and it was just on my brain, and there was a lot that I could not fit in. I got to fit in like 15 minutes, and I had enough for a lot more than that. And I was like, ooh, I can share this with you guys. And I can do the whole thing. This was way more fun. So... We're going to do that. If you were at the Unite Conference, then you get to watch the first couple minutes of it again, and then we'll get into a whole bunch of new stuff. But one of the things that we discovered, we got our sword and trowel up there. Um, This is kind of the image that I I want to kind of stick in your head, and we're going to run with it from there. But ever since I was just a little guy, I have loved swords. Um, And I discovered that as a little boy, anything can become a sword. Just about anything. If it's a round circle, it's not a sword, it's a shield because someone else has a sword. But like, it's a sword or it can become a sword or get you to a sword or away from a sword, but it has something to do with a sword. And, and we had a lot of fun with that growing up and sure there was a few injuries and hurt fingers and such from said games. But uh, one of the times where I learned that sword play, no matter how sharp or how dull the sword is, can still be dangerous was actually after I'd turned into an adult come back. I was on staff as a pastor here, and I needed something from the communications department. So I I went over there. I get over there, and at this point in time, my cousin Michael worked in the communications department. I said, hey, Michael, I need something. And he had two of these tubes laying around. But back at that point in time, they were plastic, and they've got a big printer for some of the projects here, and it had these plastic tubes that would come at the inside of a roll of paper. And he had two empties, and, and we're sitting there, and he's my cousin, and there's a tube. A sword, right? And so we get it, and I don't know who started it. Um, in all reality, it was probably me, but we'll just blame him because he's not here. So um, we, we take it, we start messing around, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, we're talking, and we begin to sword fight with these plastic tubes. And so we're carrying on workplace conversation while in the middle of um, sword fighting. And so we're like, hey, I need this printed by this day. Can you? And we're you know, pairing and having a little bit of fun. Well, somewhere's in this, this sword fight, I, I, I'm swinging and he's ducking and playing. And, well, I wasn't like trying to take his head off or anything, but I'm swinging and he's like matrixing over here. The very edge of the tube didn't like hit him in the face because that would have been unpleasant, but honestly, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. The very edge just nicked his eye. And it like, it was... Far enough away that it didn't give him like a black eye, it was, but just touched him enough that it actually scratched his eyeball. And, you know, and you stop and check it for him, you pray for him, and he's like, all right. And he's like, my eye just kept watering all day. And he had to go like, take the day off and, because his eye was watering. And I come back into the office the next day, and there's a sign on my door, courtesy of the rest of the communications department, that has a picture of a guy, or of a, like a medieval helmet, This is when sword fighting, it's imperative to wear eye gear, not only to wear it, but to make sure it actually covers your eyes. And it sat in my office for, until I moved offices, that was on my door. Um, But it was the beginning of learning that swords are awesome. 
but you have to be very, very careful with swords. Because if you're not careful with swords, swords can do a lot of damage and they can do it in a hurry. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it says that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, I got to introduce you to somebody, but I have props everywhere. So let me move a couple of these real quick because we're going to have a lot of fun today because that's the way I like to roll. This is Bob. If you can't see Bob very good, Bob is a watermelon. This is a sword. Told you I like swords. I have a lot of them. You never have enough swords. Um, <laughs> there's only a few of them in my office. Um, but here, here, here's the point. This is Bob. The Bible to- just told us that reckless words pierce like a sword. I, I learned a little bit about this from my, my story with my cousin here. But a lot of times we say things to people when we're not thinking. We say things like, I hate you. You're so annoying. Why do you talk like that? You're never going to amount to anything. Hmm, you got a haircut. Um, and we sit here and we say these things like, I wish I never met you. What did I ever see in you in the first place? You're such a failure. And we, we sit here and we're saying these, these hurtful words. You're so annoying. I can't believe you. And we, we sit here and we, we often, I had, I had a full list of ones that just kind of get me, get me thinking whether it's, you're dumb. Release, Bob. Um, you're an embarrassment. You'll never amount to anything. I hate you. Wish you were never born. You're never going to change. Sorry, genders. But, but it appears Bob's smile is gone. He had a crying face over here, but it's gone too. He seems to have some deep internal wounds. Um, Do you realize that Bob does not ask me, hey, did you mean to slap me with a sword? Did you think about that before you said it? Or did that just slip off your tongue because your emotions got the better of you? Did you mean to tell me that I'd never amount to anything? Did you mean that? Because whether I meant to hit Michael in the eye with a plastic tube didn't change the fact that I did. When I say something, whether I think deep about it and I'm like, hmm, I want to say a hurtful word that'll affect you for decades doesn't really change whether or not if I say it, those words go in. And Proverbs says that reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And as I began to look at that, it it began to shock me. So I went around one day in the office and I began to ask some people, clear off some of Bob. Said, all right, tell me, most impactful words that have been said to you, positive, negative, doesn't matter, but just give me, when you think about words that stuck with you, words that affected you, what comes to mind? The first guy that I asked, he looks at me, looks down. When I was just a little kid playing football, he said, 
we were playing football. The star of the team, who was my friend, one day we were playing, he's like, lights were on us. It was really, really hot out, and we got done, and or we're into like halftime, whatever, and he says, I was asking him for water. I was like, hey, does anyone have some water? And the star of the team just looked at me and goes, you didn't do anything. You don't need water. You're such a baby. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, how long ago was that? It's like 42 years. 42 years. And that word still wrong. And I, I begin to walk around and I heard things from different people. And someone's like, oh, I, I begin to share what was on my heart. And, they, and one of my parents told me that that was such a dumb dream and begin to tear it apart. Another one said, they looked at me and said, you are so annoying. And I begin to go through this and, and, and I begin to hear all these different words that people said to them. And the people that I asked almost all shared something that was said over 10 years ago. And I begin to look at these words and how they affected them. And it's not that you can't ever address something and have to deal with a legitimate issue because if you live on planet earth and you share it with people, there will be things that have to be dealt with and they are not all warm and fuzzy. But there's a difference in the way that you say it because if I look at Bob and I say, you are so annoying, that is a matter of identity. If I say that was annoying, that is a matter of an event and is removed from the identity of Bob. But when people use the you are, and I didn't even think about this until I started talking to people and they begin to recite the different things that impacted them and how when somebody used the words you are, it was held so much deeper because it was this is who I am. I am unorganized. I am this, they would say. Or they would look and go, no, no. I am loved. I am a conqueror. I am. And the way and the words that people spoke had begun to shape them. And, and as I, be, I begin to do some of this research, I just begin to asking people, I'm like, what was this? And I begin to notice something. One of the things that I noticed was the more that they respect you, the more impact your words have. So parents, all of you parents, your words are some of the most powerful words that your kids will ever hear. And when you speak to them, it carries so, so much weight. All of you guys that are married or ever hope to get married, when you get married, you will become the closest person to your spouse or should be the closest person to your spouse. Which means your words are going to have the largest impact on your spouse that anybody else is going to say to them. And so how we use our words becomes so, so important. And I begin to look at this and go, okay, so parents... But some, some, some of you guys may go, well, look, I'm single and I'm, I don't see anyone in the near, near future and I'm, out, I'm not a parent. Have you encountered other humans? Have you worked with other humans? If you have influence at work, the more influence that you have, the larger weight is put on your words. And it is amazing, even in the spots that people don't think their words matter, so often in today's culture, we find our humor 
by joking or putting others down. We try to feel better about ourselves by chopping somebody else down to size. And we think it's not a big deal. As I begin to ask all these other people these, this exercise, I begin to go, well, what would I say? <clears throat> and I was thrilled to be able to tell you that when I tried to think of hurt, if I thought about the different words that were spoke, I didn't have any hurtful words from my parents to put out there. But in seconds of pondering it, there was a fellow that, that, was, that I looked up to greatly. He was one of my dad's friends that we did different things with, and he's in ministry. And as soon as I thought about it, I was able to peg a time when I was just a little guy. Um, I say little. Um, I was hunting, so I wasn't like too, too little. But I was hunting, and, and he'd come up, and I was reading a book. And you'd like read just a little bit, and you'd look, check for deer, read, look, check, check, read, check, read, check. But the book got really, really good. And I got distracted for a minute because it was an action. I'm like, what's going on? And, and he walked up to get me at the very end and he got closer than he should have without me noticing. And he began to, to pick on me and deride me for the fact that I didn't notice it when he came up. And those words, just as he began to make, make fun of me, they hurt me. And I was able to pull those out probably 20 years later and go, hurtful things, boom. This, this is somewhere where somebody spoke to me and it, it began, it affected me. And I go, well, how much of an effect do these words have? As I was kind of pondering this, I, I began to ponder, I actually began to ponder my father. My father's awesome, I love my father. Um, he was sharing a story, or just, okay, growing up, if you don't know my dad, if you haven't heard some of his stories, my dad is not mechanically inclined. Um, <laughs> The first person to laugh on that was my dad, if you didn't hear his laugh. So this is okay, this is fair, he shared this. And all growing up, if there was something that needed to be fixed, it probably wasn't going to be my dad who fixed it. Um, Whether it was mom who fixed it, or if it was one of us who fixed it. And I just thought growing up that it was because you can't be good at everything. And he was good at other stuff, and he just wasn't good at fixing things. But he, and he always made an effort to, in spite of the fact that he didn't know how to fix most anything, he told us that we could fix anything. And he always spoke, spoke it. And, and there was a lot of these things that he'd be like, I'm not good at this, but you can do it. And there was things that he'd step away from and he'd just be like, oh, but you can. And from the time I was pretty little, I just figured I could do it. Why? Because he said so. And he's like, he doesn't know how to do it. I'm like, I don't know how to do it, but he said I could do it. I'll figure it out. And like, it literally began to shape the way that I viewed my ability to do things. There was things, whether it was backing up a trailer, fixing different things, that, that I just believed that I could because my dad just said I could. And I thought it was because he couldn't be good at everything until actually just a few years ago, he shared a story. And I discovered that his lack of fixing things wasn't because he's human and can't just be good at everything. It was because when he was a little kid, he was working with his father, and he was in the garage, and his dad asked for a tool, and he brought him the wrong tool, I think it was two or three times, and his dad just insulted him and told him that he couldn't and that he wouldn't. And those words shaped how he saw himself. It shaped the effort that he would put in. And he was so intentional with us to change that cycle. I'm so proud of it, and I'm so thankful that he chose not to carry that on. 
but it just blew me away that the words that we speak literally can shape somebody. Whether that we're joking, whether we're thinking about it largely or not, our words are so, so powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this is where it goes from being like a heavy thing to being really cool. See, some of you guys are like, what's that? Others of you guys know where this is going. Okay, see this? This is a trowel. Um, a trowel is a tool that I honestly don't use very much, but this tool is for building. Now, this one I use for tile when I need to do tile. Um, don't call me to do your tile. I'm not an expert, but when it's myself, I can either pay someone lots of money or do it myself, so I figured it out because um, Dad said I could. So, um, but here's the thing. When I use this, I'm going to take some kind of mortar I'm going to mix it up, and I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to spread it out. I'm going to put things down, and I'm going to build with it. Proverbs didn't just say that death is in the power of the tongue. It said that life, death and life, are in the power of the tongue. That we can choose with our words whether we're going to destroy things or whether we're going to build things. And we can build things up with our words. We can create things with our words. And we can change positively the way someone views the world by how we use our tongue. As I, as I begin to try this, I begin to think about my son. Um, actually, before I get to that, do you know how God created the world? Genesis chapter one. God said, let there be. Boom. Things begin. Things jumped into existence when he spoke. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Let us make man in our image. God says, This is this when God works, he speaks and things begin and things are created. And he goes, Let me make you just like me. And he tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he goes, You can use a trowel or you can use a sword, but how you speak can create or it can destroy. It can cut or it can build. It's up to you. And he he lays this, this powerful choice down before us and he calls us to speak life. And, and, and as we do our words, can build somebody brick by brick, but just like a sledgehammer, it doesn't take much to come in and to wreak havoc on what someone just built. And as I begin to look at these different people that I talk to, one of the things that I noticed is when they were to look at a negative, impactful word, most of them pointed out to a word that was spoken. When they had a positive, most of the positive were words that were constantly spoken. They looked and said, my parents regularly told me that they loved me. My parents constantly told me that I was, that I could. And they began to share what was was built over and over as they spoke life and they spoke life and it began to build. A while back, I I, I was praying with my kids and I, I pray for them before we go to bed and different things. And I decided I was gonna be more intentional. And 
is easy to just to pray, pray quickly over them, but I'm like, I'm going to be very intentional about what I pray. And so in amongst the things that I was praying for them, I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for the fruit of the Spirit in them because they need the fruit of the Spirit. And so I began to, begin to pray for them. And I began to pray that they'd have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in this prayer. And I've been doing that for a couple of weeks to maybe a month or two. And uh, my, my oldest just, we went through some stuff and I was just amazed that he demonstrated patience because that does not come natural to a little kid. And I'm, I commented, I'm like, whoa, Benaya, way to go. Like, that was awesome. You were just so patient with that when that was not the way you wanted things to happen or they were really frustrated. I don't remember what the event was, but I, I commented on it. And he just looked at me and he goes, well, of course. That's what you've been praying for. That's what you've been speaking over me. And like, I knew I should be intentional. It's one of those things like I did the right thing because I knew I was supposed to, but hadn't really thought about how powerful the right thing was. And my, I don't know how old he was at the time, my little boy just looks at me and is like, duh, this is what the Bible says. This is what you've been doing. I'm like, whoa. I stand taught by my little kid. And it was so imp- all right, so it blew me away at the power that our words have. Our words are creating. Our words are building. The Bible tells us to encourage one another, to build up one another, just as you are doing today. It says to do everything without grumbling or arguing, complaining. And this is, again, countercultural because in America, or at least here in Michigan, People like to complain. Culturally, it is like a regular competition. They'll get there and they'll be like, how you doing? They're like, I'm tired. It's like, really? Me too. Yeah, I only got six hours of sleep. Five. Only got five. You're like, what a rough morning, man. And they're like, yeah, me too. And like, they're sitting there and they're competing around the coffee to see who had the worst day or the worst week. And you're like, why? And as I began to do some studying, I discovered that psychologists will tell you that your brain likes to be right. In its liking to be right, it has what it call, they call a confirmation bias. It looks for things to confirm what it already believes. And when we begin to speak these constant negative things, they begin to fill us, and then our, our brain begins to look for things to affirm that which it already believed. And when Jesus said that, that our words, that we're going to give an account for our words, when, when the Bible tells us that our words bring life or death, it became so real to me that what I'm, what I'm saying is actually shaping the way that I view the world. It is actually shaping what my brain is going to look for. It is shaping who I am. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing of You may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. And it sits here and tells us to renew our mind. One of the ways that you renew your mind is by getting in the word. One of the massive things that you can do is speak it. When you begin to speak it over you, it begins to fill you. Your words are so powerful. Your words are are the most powerful words in your life. Um, You can ignore me. I'd rather you didn't. 
but you can. When I speak to you, you sit there and you weigh my words as they come in. You look and you go, hmm, do I trust him? Do I think he's right? And, and you sit here and like they come at you from the outside. I almost picture somebody at a desk and everything that's said to them comes at it and they sit here and they go, hmm, do I accept it or do I reject it? And it's like, mm, accept, mm, reject, mm, accept, reject. But you are sitting behind your own desk. And when I say things, you weigh it. But when you say things, it's already cleared the desk. And it has a profound impact on you. Pastor Tim, come on up. Tim is my friend. Um, Tim and I go, go way back. We have caused lots of mischief together and had a lot of fun. And I, was, I saw something, actually. I'm going to credit Pastor Bernie, wherever Bernie is. Thank you, Bernie. You're amazing. Uh, he, he did an illustration the other day, and it sparked something in my head, and I wanted to test it in a, in a concrete method. And um, I discovered that the amount of weight that you use is important that it fits the right person, and Tim and I used to work out together, so I'm like, I can test this at home, and it'll work for Pastor Tim. So I went to his office this week and tested this and made sure that this was the right amount of weight for Tim. But we're going to watch the effect that Tim's words have on Tim. So Tim is going to take this, this dumbbell, and he's going to speak life. He's going to confess 10 times that he is strong, and then he's going to lift it up. Hmm. Tim? All right. I am strong. 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 Nice. All right, now he's going to confess 10 times that he's weak. I am 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 weak. <laughs> All right, thank you, Tim. You can confess that you're strong on your way to your seat. <laughs> this just blew me away. Um, however, I know that you're looking at me from the outside and you're like, you chose Pastor Tim. You tested this. So... Not only did we do it with Tim, after I discovered this, I discovered that if you pick too heavy of a weight, then no matter what they say to themselves, it doesn't move. And if you pick too light of a weight, even when they feel weak, they can still lift up a paper. It's not a big deal. So I had to find the right weight. So we actually went around the office, um, and we just started doing this to people. Like, here, I need you for an illustration. They're like, what? Here. I handed them a weight, busted out of Tim's phone, and said, Confess that you're strong 10 times. Confess that you're weak 10 times. Go ahead and roll that video. Strong. I am 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 strong. I climb with this one now. So I am strong, 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 I am strong. I'm 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 str
I'm weak. 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 I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you passing your strong trade in the office. I am strong in Jesus' name. I'll rebuke the weakness. I was honestly blown away by how your body responds to your voice. That when you speak, your body actually lines up with it. James chapter three tells us, it goes through and it compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth or to a rudder on a ship. Though it's very small, it makes great boasts and has this massive impact. And I knew that this was true because the Bible says it's so, but when I did something so simple as confessing this, I had one guy tell me, he's like, it's because you had them do the strong first. It was the, the constant strain of holding it. And I tested it later in my office. I'm like, was it? And so I did it the other way around. I'm like, no, no, it legitly doesn't matter which way you do it, but your body actually responds to you. Your words are so, so powerful. And I begin to look and I begin to be amazed that we speak so many words and we think about so few of them and how powerful these are. In fact, the, I looked at a study said the average person, at least in their test demographic, which I think mostly was college students, so I don't know how well it reflects the rest of the world, but speaks about 16,000 words per day, give or take just a little bit. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we go through this, and I begin to look at these studies, they say, all right, you, you can talk 150 to 250 words, one study said. One said you could talk a little bit faster, probably because they studied me. But uh, you can listen, they said, at 500 to 600 words. So you shouldn't be complaining that I talk too fast. But um, they said that you can talk to yourself. Um, different studies varied. One on the low end said that you speak in your head to you at 1,300 words per minute. The other study that I was reading said you can speak to yourself at about... 4,000 words per minute. When you aren't hung up on moving your lips and your tongue, um, <clears throat> you speak to yourself. Some of you guys go, I don't speak to myself. Yes, you do. Um, if you've ever heard your teacher, girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever, say, we need to talk, you started talking to yourself right away. You're like, crud, what did I do? Am I in trouble? Like you got like all of these things that you are like having this internal discussion and you are, you are <clears throat> discussing that inside your head. Or at least this one's for me. I remember being in line for a roller coaster at Cedar Point and you're getting in there and you, as you get closer to it, first you're just like, yeah, I'm excited. And then you get closer. There's a dialogue going on inside my head. I think I have to pee. Do I really have to pee or am I just nervous that I'm going to be on this roller coaster? Hmm. Can I hold it to laugh the roller coaster? I don't know. I've been in line for an hour and a half. I don't want to get out of line, but 
uh, I think I can hold it. It's just nerves. And like, there's this whole conversation. And then you get on the roller coaster and like you, the, the thing buckles. And then you're like, was that a good idea? Am I still going to be able to hold this? I think it's probably too late for me now. And then you start to go up the hill and it's like, click, 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 click. And you're like, this was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. And you're, maybe you're just like, no, no, I got this. This is fun. And then the lady in front of you actually starts talking. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And you're like, too late now, lady. Here we go. Don't throw up. You're in front of me. And so. But you have this dialogue that's happening inside of your head. The problem is that most of our dialogue, most of us dialogue in not the healthiest manner with ourselves. Especially when we do something that we consider stupid. Whether it's because you tried something smart and failed, or whether we just said something stupid that we didn't think about, it is so common to get done and to be like, oh, you're such an idiot. And to say these different things in our head, whether we speak them out loud or not. But if my body responds to me, if what I say, see the Bible tells you that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a lot of times we look and we go, the heart and the mouth are connected. But a lot of times we only look at the connection that runs from the heart to the mouth. But what you speak fills your heart. They're connected. It's kind of like in, in Matthew where it says that wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That you can actually steer your heart with your treasure. But where your heart goes, your treasure will end up too. It, the cycle runs both ways. If you love something, you end up spending your money on it. And when you spend your money on something, your heart begins to go there. They're connected in both ways. And in the same way, your words and your heart are connected. And when I begin to speak this, it begins to fill my heart. When it begins to fill my heart, it begins to shape the lens that I look through. See, you don't see the world as it is. You see it as you are. And when we go outside and we look at snow, you don't all see the same thing. There are some people that go outside and they look at the snow and they're like, glory, it's finally snowing because they have a plow business and it has not been getting enough business early on this winter. And they're like, yes, I'm making my money. And others are looking out here going, no, no, I have to pay the plow guy. And then others are looking here going, snow day. And others are going, no, snow day. And they're all looking at the same scene. They're all seeing something so very different because they don't see what's out there. They see through the lens of what's in here. And what I speak shapes my lens. What I speak shapes what I see. And what I, what I say, when, when you speak, when you speak to you, you paint a portrait that is the image you see in the mirror. When you speak, you paint the image that you are going to see in the mirror. Your reflection that you see is more a product of the meditation of your heart than anything that the mirror can tell you. And <clears throat> it has such a profound effect on the way that you'll live. My brother, he once told me a great lesson. He, he, he was somewhere and he's like, you know, I think he was working at a hotel and he needed to get somewhere. He goes, if you walk in with confidence, he's like, you can go anywhere. And he's telling me the story. He's like, I used to walk in and he's like, he'd go somewhere where it's like, whether he was supposed to be there or not, he's just like, I needed something that was through there. So I just walk in and you just walk in like you're supposed to be there. And everyone, everyone's like, oh, he's supposed to be here. 
You walk in like, oh, can, I, can I be here? They look at you. No, no, you can't be here. But he's like, I just, I just I could. So I just did. I just like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I walked through, got what I needed and went on to the next room and did what I was supposed to do. And I began to see that we literally respond differently and doors open up. And it's a response to the, to the world that we see through our heart that we created by how we speak. And that when we renew our mind by filling it with God's word, we begin to change the way that we speak, which changes the way that we see. And when it changes the way that we see, it changes the way that we live. See, our words are constantly creating life. They're creating life in your marriage or they're tearing it apart. They're creating life in your children or they're tearing it apart. They're creating opportunity for you at work or they're destroying opportunities for you at work. Our words are constantly at work in our life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips, Proverbs 18.20. Proverbs 12, 14, from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. As surely as the work of his hands reward him. Over and over and over again, we see this. I remember a while ago, I was, I was praying and, and I said, you know, there was different areas in my life and I'd, I'd prayed for them. I asked God for them. And I felt like God just told me to speak them over me. And it's kind of was weird, but I was in a car and it was no weirder than that person that you passed on the stoplight who's jamming it out and yelling at the top of their lungs. I'm like, okay, if they can probably do that, I can probably confess what God's telling me to confess as I'm driving in my car. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I am a man of character and integrity with a heart after God that wants to do what's right. I am a loving and caring husband. Not I, God, make me, but God, I am who you say that I am. This is who I am. I discipline my children out of a desire to see them succeed, not out of frustration, anger, or annoyance. I am who you say that I am. And I begin to go through this thing, and I begin to confess all of these different things. I said, this is who I am. And I watched, and it was not, it was, it was within days that I began to watch this begin to impact me. Because all of a sudden, I begin, I came up against something that was contrary to what I'd been confessing. And I was about to respond poorly to whatever it was. And when I did, there was like this flag that went up that was like, wait a second. You can't do that because you are patient and kind. And you discipline your children out of a desire to see them succeed, not out of frustration, anger, anger, or annoyance. You don't, and I begin, like all of a sudden, this flag began to come up because I begin to change the way that I saw me by the words that I spoke. That I begin to confess what God says over me instead of just what I had already experienced. And when God speaks things, he, doesn't, he speaks things into existence. And when I began to speak that, it began to create it in me. And when something contrary began to happen, that flag came up. And all of a sudden, I had a choice. Am I going to be the man that I begin to speak into existence, or am I going to live contrary to that? And when I begin to choose and go, okay, no, I'm going to let my life align with this. Because the filter, the reflection that I saw changed. And it changed the way that I began to live. And I want to challenge each person here that we want to line our life up with God's word. We want to speak God's word. We have the opportunity to speak life to our family. We have the opportunity to speak life where we work. We have the opportunity to speak life in the places that we study. We have the opportunity to speak life everywhere that we go. Or we have the opportunity to chop things apart, to knock things apart, whether we build or whether we dice is up to us. And one of the, 
the person most affected by your words is you. We don't often realize it, but our words shape our world and we can speak life. I would like to speak some life over you. You are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You are forgiven of all of your sins in a new creation because you have called on Jesus. You are filled with the fruit of the spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You live on purpose to please God no matter the cost. Others see Jesus in the way that you live. You have made a covenant not to look lustfully upon anyone. You honor your parents, your spouse, to honor God. You are who God says you are, not what people say about you. You are not the sum of your accomplishments and failures, but you are who, God, who the creator declares you to be. God has granted you everything you need to live a godly life through the knowledge of him. You treat others the way that you want to be treated. You are more than a conqueror through him. You seek him with all of your heart and he reveals himself to you. You are loved by God. I, I, I had to edit a little bit of the wording, but this is one that I'd written for me. I've got a couple of them that I wrote for me. And I would actually like to challenge each person to intentionally speak life. And I believe that if we would all intentionally speak who God says we are daily, that it would change the way that we saw ourselves, and it would begin to change the way that we responded because we would begin to see ourselves in alignment with the way that we renewed our mind according to God's word by the way that we are speaking it. And so I would love to challenge you to write down and say, who does God say that I am? Who is it? And to begin to pray that. I'll pray regularly. I'm a man of character. I say I pray. I will confess this in the morning. That I'm a man of character and integrity, a man of God that wants to do what's right. I say no to evil and refuse to compromise. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a young woman. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the works of those who fall away. They shall not cling to me. I will walk within my house with integrity. I will run from sin because I run toward God. I'm a patient and loving husband and father. I discipline my children out of a desire to see them succeed, not out of anger, frustration, or annoyance. I set the example for them of the character I want them to walk in. I seek Jesus first and fall more in love with him each day. I put him first in all I do. I honor him with my choices. I honor my wife with how I treat her pursue her, look at her, and how I treat and look at other girls. I live a life of no secrets. I live the life I want to be proud of and to give an account for. God's power is at work in me, strengthening me to walk out every good resolve so that the name of the Lord may be glorified. I'm a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, a fellow worker to bring the kingdom of, kingdom of God to earth. I'm anointed with the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus' life and ministry. I'm a conduit for God to use to see his kingdom come and his will be done. I serve to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Signs and wonders follow me as I step out in faith and obedience. I see people through God's eyes full of love and compassion. I live to accomplish his purpose on the earth. I love to spend time with God and to hear his plans for the day. I live a blessed life. I walk in the favor of the Lord. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. I'm above and not beneath the head and not the tail. God's amazing grace rests on me, allowing me to go beyond my own ability. It enables me to walk out God's plans even when they are more than I can walk out on my own. I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus and I have been seated with him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. And I am amazed that if I start the day confessing this, that it literally changes my day. Because when you have an opportunity and all of a sudden someone comes out and you see somebody and they're limping, there's an image in me that says, I step out, signs and wonders follow me. 
I'm supposed to bring the kingdom of God to earth. I'm going to step out. I'm going to pray for them. When you see an opportunity and you go, oh, there's an opportunity to compromise, you go, no, 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 no. I don't compromise. I run from compromise because I'm running towards God. And it begins to reflect back on what I said I am because this is who God says I am. And I challenge each of us to do that. But as we begin to look at this, one of the first things that we begin to look at, when I, when I, when I gave the one over you, said you are forgiven of all your sin. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus because you've called on him. If you're here, you say, that's not true of me yet. Well, today that can be true. See, the Bible says that the most important, most powerful thing that you'll ever say is when you call on his name. He says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. And if you have not yet called on his name and said, I declare him to be Lord of my life and I choose to follow him, I want to give you that opportunity right here and right now. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and you say, I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. I want to know that I'm forgiven and I want to live for him. Then this is your opportunity. One, get ready. Two, three, go ahead and raise your hands. That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. God, I thank you for each person here. God, that you have breathed life into us. That you have given us powerful words, that we can speak words that line up with you, that we can speak your life everywhere that we go. God, that we can speak powerfully and intentionally. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, if you guys need prayer, there's going to be a few uh, different leaders down here that would love to pray with you. Be blessed, and you guys are dismissed.